your paper with you. Make sure you take notes this morning. If not, then listen to the sermon again and then take notes. Financial empowerment. This is lesson one. Before we can go into financial empowerment, it's very important that we understand the basics. Because if we don't, then you still have a mindset and you still have a mindset that works against God. So it's very important that we renew our mind. The Bible says, do not conform to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. Because when we talk about financial prosperity, we're talking about kingdom financial prosperity. We're talking about the prosperity of the righteous, not the prosperity of the wicked. So we need to understand that. So just a few very important questions that if you could help me to answer them. Number one, are we in a crisis right now? Are we in an unpredictable moment in an uncharted territory? Are we in an unpredictable moment in an uncharted territory? The answer is check with your Bible, and the answer is no. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15 in the New Living Translation. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15. So it's very important that we don't answer questions with our mind, but we answer questions from the Word of God. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. To simply put it, history repeats itself. You will find that everything in this world has a pattern. Everything has a pattern. In order, everything has a cycle. So that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will warn us of the things to come. That's why it is so important to have discernment. Amen? God knows, knows what's going on. And in his word, he has warned us of what will happen. And he has explained to us the ways to deal with what's happening in our lives. Question number two, can we pray the crisis away? Can we pray a global crisis away? Once again, check with your Bible. The answer is no. You cannot pray a famine away. You cannot pray a pestilence away. But you can pray for your own territory. You can pray for your own territory. You can intercede for divine protection for the people that are within your own jurisdiction. If you're not connected with me, I can pray for you. I can pray, but the prayers won't work. You can only pray for those that are connected with you. You can only pray for those who are connected with you. Jesus healed all those that came to him. He did not empty the hospital. Faith is the connection. Submission is the connection. So it's very, very important that we're not presumptuous, but we know and we understand. Question number three. So are we into fear 
into gloom and doom? After you've checked with the Bible, the answer is no. Question number four. So do we perish like the rest of the world in a pandemic, in a recession, in an inflation? The question is, the answer to the question is no. After you've checked with your Bible. Question number five. I think this we can all answer very easily. Do we have to be sinful? Do we have to be sick and poor and depressed with everybody around us? What's the answer? No. Why not? Psalm 37 verse 18 to 19. Psalm 37 verse 18 to 19. Psalm 37 verse 18 to 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. They referring to God's people, referring to God's covenant people. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of what? Famine. They shall be satisfied. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. Are we in an evil time now? Absolutely. Are we in a time of famine, pestilence? Absolutely. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Lift up your hands and receive this. Amen. You are called out of the world. You had been translated out of the world into the kingdom of Jesus Christ in order that you can be blessed. In order that you can be protected, preserved, and blessed. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So another question. Why difficult, tough, and bad times? Is God punishing us? Well, let's look at how many times the word wars, the word famine, the word pestilence appear in the Bible. The word wars appear 240 times in the Bible. The word famine appears 96 times in the Bible. The word pestilence appears 47 times in the Bible. So don't ever think that God has not pre-warned us and don't ever think that God has not prepared us. But we need to dig into the word. We need to be a people of knowledge, of understanding. We need to conduct our lives like the word has told us to. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 21 verse 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 21 verse 12. Now this is talking about David. Well, David sinned. All right. And look at what the prophet said to David. Either three years famine. Come on, repeat after me. Three years famine. Or three months to be destroyed before your enemies. Say with me, three months to be destroyed by the enemy. While the sword of your enemies overtake you or else three days. The sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Say with me, three days. The judgment of the Lord. Now, therefore, advise yourself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. So the prophet is saying, please let me know what your choice is 
and I'll go back to the Lord. So what are the three options? Number one, famine or natural disaster. How long will that take? Three years. Number two, defeated by the enemy. How long will that take? Three months. Number four, I'm sorry, number three, God's judgment. How long will that take? Three days. How many of you know what's David's option? What did he choose? God's judgment. The Bible makes it very clear that bad times is an indication of the wages of sin. Why are we having tough times? Why are we having bad times? Because sin had taken place. The wages of sin is death. Death comes by whatever means. So whenever there's a tough time, whenever there's a, there's a rough time, whenever there's a difficult time, is the retribution. The Bible says that your sin will find you out. There's a time of retribution. And number three, the attack of the devil. When we talk about sin, we're talking about giving the devil a foothold. And then finally, the judgment of God. So David was given three choices. Let's look again at 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. I know that some of you may be thinking, I thought God is merciful, God is ever kind, God does. I will answer those questions, okay? So let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. And David said unto Nathan, the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. That's the first thing. It's very important that he recognized that. He did not sin against anybody. He said against you and you only have I sinned. So all sin is directed against God. So David said unto the prophet Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord, not God. My Lord, my master. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord hath also put away your sin. Okay, God would put away your sin and you shall not die. But look at verse 14. How be it? Because by this deed you have given great occasion. An open door. Great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto you shall surely die. So was it that God was punishing him? No. But because of his sin, a big open door had been opened to the devil to legally kill his son. So it's very important for us to understand that. What happened to Abraham? What's the sin of his flesh with Sarah? They gave birth to, they gave birth to Ishmael. God promised Isaac. But because of their flesh, they gave birth to an Ishmael. And Ishmael still is troubling Israel even today. God's way is deliverance and redemption, if he could. Salvation 
and empowerment if we allow him. When we talk about sin, we're talking about personal and collective sin. There is personal and there is corporate sin. There is the sin of the individuals. There is the sin of the nation. In Noah's time, there was a global flood. Nobody could pray that away. In Noah's time, there was a global flood that drowned everything. Everything, all the vegetations, all the animals, all the people, except those that had gone to the ark with Noah. And what about the fire and brimstone from heaven for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham could not pray that away. He asked for mercy, but he couldn't pray that away. So whenever we find famine, pestilence, wars, they are to do with collective sin. How many of you know that the whole world had been sinning against God? How many of you know that Australia had sinned against God? How many of you know that the nations have sinned against God? If you look at Romans chapter 6 verse 23, the wages of sin is death, an open door for demonic attacks. We need to understand as a Christian, as the church, that God's forgiveness comes with a great price. God's forgiveness comes with a great price. And who is that price? Jesus. One more time. Who is that price? Jesus. Jesus is the prize. The life of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus. So don't take it lightly. The very fact that we can forgive, it is the power of God. It is the privilege of God. Can we say amen? Amen. Remember, the Pharisees asked Jesus, who can forgive sins but God Alone. So let's lift up our hands and thank the Lord that he has given you the power to forgive. That he has given us the power to forgive. To forgive ourselves and for, to forgive those around us. Amen. Sin is a big thing in the realm of the spirit. Sin is a big thing in the realm of the spirit. So also is forgiveness. Let's look at poverty, defeat, poverty, defeat, and slavery. I want you to know that the devil wants you poor, but God wants you rich. Heaven is very rich. Heaven is not poor. A religious spirit will keep you poor, but the spirit of truth will make you rich. If we look at poverty, defeat, and slavery, we're talking about finances. Well, some religious people say, well, the church should never talk about money. No. Christians should never even think about money. Let me ask you this question. Is that correct? No. The poorer you are, the more spiritual you are. Is that correct? No, 
Because no matter how much you love God, you can sing and you can dance in church. But when you go out, as soon as you want to advance the kingdom, what do you need? Money. The fact is, the matter of the fact is, when you are poor and you're on government welfare and you can't even pay for your meals, nobody will listen to you. Come on. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Financial success is your platform for ministry. Financial success is your platform for ministry. Financial success is your testimony. And people will listen to you. Can we say amen? How many of you know that God is not poor? If you know that God is not poor, lift up your hands. Amen. We cannot, we should not separate spirituality with practicality. The more spiritual you are, the more practical you are. A religious spirit is not the Holy Spirit. A religious spirit is a deceiving spirit that comes to enslave, that comes to put people into bondage. A religious spirit is a controlling, is a blinding spirit to keep God's people ignorant, uneducated, foolish, and not enlightened unmotivated and passive. A religious spirit is to keep God's people poor. How many of you know that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt? They were slaves. They were not officers. Joseph was. Joseph was the prime minister to Pharaoh. He was in a high position. He was in a commanding position. So much so that he could save his entire tribe. All of the tribe came to him during a time of famine. And he protected them and he provided for them. Amen. But what happened? They started to be lukewarm. They started to take things for granted and they started to become religious. I want us to understand that it's very easy for Christians to be religious if you don't engage yourself in the world. If you just live in an ivory tower, if you just live in a religious tower, it's very easy to be religious. But the minute you start to engage the world, The minute you start to witness to people, the minute you start to take territories for God, you will not be religious. Can we say amen? The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And that's why God had to deliver them. God had to send them Moses to deliver them. Slaves, the word slave means to be a poor person who is in captivity. A slave is a person who is poor. And because he's so poor that he has lost his freedom. How many of us understand that? When you, are become, when you have become so poor, it's just like in the time of inflation. Remember when Joseph was in Egypt? Remember we talked about the seven fat cows and the seven, you know, lean cows. So during those days of famine, Egypt was so, so poor. Everybody was so poor. And everybody around Egypt, it was like a global thing. It was a global famine. And they came to Joseph and said, 
We cannot live. We have nothing for ourselves. We sell ourselves to you. Take us, take us and feed us. That's how they became slaves. Poverty and slaves. There's nothing good out of poverty. And yet somehow the devil had succeeded in convincing the church that you need to be poor. Have you ever heard of the expression as poor as a church rat? What does that mean? Because the church is so poor that even the rat has nothing to eat. Do you know that when they sent out missionaries, what did they give the missionaries? Secondhand underwear. Secondhand soap. Because you serve the Lord, so you are supposed to be poor. A lot of people despise ministers and pastors because why? Because they're poor. I'm richer than you, so I'm more powerful than you. How many of you know that wealth can mean power? A rich person has power. How many of you know that? Come on, lift up your hands if you do. Yes. The rich rules over the poor. So that's power. If you're Proverbs 22, verse 7. I want you to know, want us to know that poverty and slavery always work together. Poverty and slavery always work together. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor. So that is power. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Guess who is the lender? The rich. Who is richer? The bank or you? The bank. Who is the lender? The bank. Devils work overtime to make people poor. That's what socialism is about. That's what communism is about. How many, how many of you have read 1984 by George Orwell? Yes. You need to read those books, especially in these days. They are practicing what's called soft socialism in America. Socialism is turning the nation into a welfare state. The government controls all the money and the government distributes all the money. So the government controls not only the power, but the money. Reducing everybody to a slave. Devil works overtime to make people poor. Devils work overtime to reduce a nation to a welfare nation. Credit cards, consumer debts are designed to keep the people poor. The interests are designed to make money from your debts and from your mortgage. So, Pay before the due day. How many of you know that credit card interests are very high? They are loan sharks. It's important when it comes to our finances to plan and be wise. When it comes to handling your money, be wise and plan. If we could prepay our mortgage... If we can prepay our mortgage, we can shorten the life of our loan and save ourselves a large, a large amount of money in interest. How many of us know that? The important thing is to be consistent with your repayment. 
Don't think that it's okay, it's okay, the bank is not going to take away my house. No, they won't, but they're going to make a lot of money from you. It is possible to live a debt-free life. Lift up your hands and say, yes, yes. It is possible to live a debt-free life. We just have to plan and to target to live a debt-free life. Can we say amen? And we need to teach our children to live a debt-free, healthy financial life. We should give our children money so they learn how to organize, how to plan, and how to use their money. Can we say amen? Believe and trust the Lord. Pray for his wisdom, guidance, and grace for our finances. Do we need them? Very much. If you have a credit card, you need to check. Check your credit card and check your mortgage interest rates. Do not plunge head on into debts. Can I say something? Is that okay? I'll say it anyway. So... (laughs) If it's difficult for you to pay back your credit card loan, then cut it, destroy it, and get a debit card instead. Sonny and I, we know somebody in the past who was in so much debt. Why? Because he was having a credit card to cover another credit card, a credit card to cover another credit card, to cover another credit card. That's very foolish. Can I say one thing more? (laughs) Making car loans are very unwise. Car loans are very unwise because cars depreciate the minute they hit the road. As soon as the rubber meets the road, the new car depreciates. So that means you lose the value of your money very, very quickly. It's much wiser to buy a cheaper car, a cheaper car, a second-hand car, and save until you have enough to buy another car at a higher level. Can we say amen? It's much wiser to buy a second-hand or a demo car instead of a brand-new one. Here is the principle. This is the biblical principle. Let your money work for you. Instead of you working for your money. That's the financial principle. Let your money work for you instead of you toiling for your money. Try to stretch your dollar. I'm just reciting what God's told me. Try to stretch your dollar with bargains and sales. It happened to us. We needed to get some curtains and uh, we saw them at the... and we saw them at Spotlight for 109 something. And we got them, you know how much? For $25. So stretch your dollar with bargains and sales, with quality long-term products. Take care of what you have and you can keep reusing it. Always have an emergency fund. Put aside money. Emergency fund, put aside your saving. It is not wise 
to put all your money in one basket, to put all your eggs in one basket. It is not wise as soon as you get your pay, you spend every dime. Always have an emergency fund, a saving. It is very spiritual. A spiritual person takes good care of his money. Can we say amen? Let me ask you, does God have a reserve? Absolutely. He opens the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings. So that means he has a plenty. He has a a reserve of blessings. And what about Jesus? When he was ministering, did he have money? Did he have a reserve? Absolutely. He had an accountant with him. Judah, who was stealing from his money all the time, and Jesus didn't mind because he had a lot to spare. The devil wants Christians poor. Don't ever forget that. If we are spending more than we make, if we're spending more than we make, then no matter how hard we pray and no matter how hard we fast, We will stay poor. (laughs) Understanding financial principles and applying them consistently is definitely spiritual. It is not how much you pray. It's not how often you fast. It's not even how much you worship. All those things mean nothing if your character is not in place. If you are not applying financial, spiritual principles in your life. I mean, honestly, as a pastor, I've seen people come and go. People that looked very spiritual and then we found out, oh no, yuck. Come on. Do you want the truth? Do you want the truth? You want to practice the truth? Amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's what our heart is. Discipline is vital. Discipline is vital. No one succeeds in life without planning and without discipline. No one. I can fast and pray, but if I feast every day, what do you think? I'm going to gain weight. Right? Can I be feasting and praying, God, I want to lose weight? No. Amen? And what is money? Well, you say to me, Pastor Dora, doesn't God say that don't be, you know, coveting money? The Bible says that the lust after money is the root of all evil. Not money. It's the lust after money. What is the lust after money? Money is so important to you and you squeeze. Uh, what do we have here? The queen, right? In our banknotes. And you squeeze the queen so much that she's crying all the time whenever she's in your hand. That's the lust after money. It's a spirit of poverty. The lust after money is because you are so in fear that you're afraid that you would lose it. You're so much in fear that you don't want to spend it. Remember Cain? How come he could not give his tithe the best of his produce because he worked so hard? He worked so hard on the farm in the land that had been cursed because of the sin of Adam. Remember? Because he worked so hard for it, so that's why it's very difficult for him to part with it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is 
light. So God wants us to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Say to the person next to you, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No matter how old you are, okay? No matter how young you are. But we must learn to live his way and we must have his heart. Amen? A fundamental biblical financial principle, if you want to write that down, plan and portion your money intentionally before you spend it. Plan and portion your money intentionally before you spend it. There was a very rich man. He made lots of money in America. And he gave all his money to his kids. But he never taught his kids how to take care, how to manage their money. So the, the kids ended up with a lot of money. They didn't really know how to use it. So they squandered it very, very quickly. And then guess what? The generation after that, the generation after that became very poor. So giving somebody money is not really blessing somebody. We must have the financial know-how, the financial knowledge, and the financial integrity that comes from the Lord to use it. The Bible has a lot to say about financial stewardship. Everything is about stewardship. Amen? So what, what's, what's this? Number one, if you wanted to write it down, financial principle, the portions. Number one, give to God. Number two, pay your bills. So you owe no man anything but love. Number three, this is very important, save. Save to invest. That's when you start having money working for you instead of you working for money. Save to invest. Number four, bless people with your money. Bless people with your money. Number five, that's the last one for yourself. Spend it joyfully. All right? So just like the five fingers. Can you repeat after me? Number one, give to God. Number two, pay your bills. Number three, save to invest. Number four, bless people. Number five, Spend it joyfully. Okay? So those five portions. Teach our children this principle and prepare them for success. When you have money, you can do a lot. When I say invest, it's very important that you invest in yourself. Add value to yourself. How come a doctor can earn so much? Because a doctor has invested in himself or herself. Knowledge is investment. And we're living in this time and day when you can get so much knowledge just on the computer. You can learn so much. So why not keep value adding yourself? Keep adding value to yourself. Don't sit there and do nothing. I understand that there are times that we enjoy, you know, we do gardening, we do craft or whatever, you enjoy cooking or whatever. But don't just spend all your time doing things that won't add value to your life. Take time. Time is money. The reason why we pay so much for the airplane is because it buys us time. We don't have to swim across the oceans and climb over the mountains to go somewhere else, right? Technology is time. 
So it's important that we be good stewards of our time. Use your money wisely to invest in yourself. Use money wisely to invest in yourself. Use money, uh, use time wisely to invest in your money. Make an investment account. Put aside time and money for investment. That's when you start earning a passive income. That's when your money starts working for you. Can we say amen? Time starts working for you. Amen. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. How many of you have heard of Lester Sumrall? Lester Sumrall, a powerful evangelist. You know, he's, he's a very clever investor. He started making money when he was young with just peanuts. You know, with just whatever he could find. I know somebody, and he just started serving God, just washing people's windows. And then he would just go around his neighborhood washing people's windows. And then the people just say, you're so good, and you wash my windows so clean, much better than, you know, people that I would hire. And they started paying him, and they started paying him. And before he knew it, he started having his cleaning business. And then his cleaning business started to grow and started to grow. And he started hiring people. And then before he knew it, he became a very prosperous man financially. So are there ways that God can bless us? Absolutely. Amen. So if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and you shall not be beneath. So can I ask you, does God want us poor? No, poverty is in direct conflict with Deuteronomy chapter 28. God does not want us poor. Spiritual power without financial power does not work. When you are spiritual, money will come to you. Money is attracted, not pursued. When you have the power of God, everything works it's the power of life. The life forces are working. You know what makes the flowers grow? What makes the trees grow? What makes the vegetables grow? What makes the animals run? It's the power of life. Deuteronomy, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. The life force is the force of prosperity. The life force is the force of prosperity. So that's why you notice that sickness... We're always tied together with poverty. If you accept sickness, sickness will make a person poor. And sickness can even make the whole family poor. So if you look at the curses in the Bible, you'll notice that that's not God's will for you. And you must stand up against it. Can we say amen? You can never convince a Jew. That it's God's will for him to be poor. Never. How many of you know that Jews are very famous for making money? And you can never convince Israel as a nation that God wants their nation to be poor. How many of you know that in times of war, in times of crisis, you need your money? Come on. In times of war, in times of crisis... In times of pestilence, you need your money. 
Money is a means of exchange. And that's why financial prosperity is in our covenant. God is very wise. He knows what we need much more than we do. So don't fall into the trap of religion. To be financially empowered, you must first and foremost understand without a doubt that it is God's will for you to be financially strong. Can we say amen? Poverty is a demon, is an evil spirit. It comes with sickness, crime, addictions, sex trade, broken homes, abused children. I grew up in poverty. I grew up in the slums. I know what it is to be poor. I grew up in poverty. I was so poor that we didn't even have a proper bathroom. We didn't have a proper toilet. And I had drug addicts because they were chased by the police in Hong Kong. I lived in a very famous poor slum area in Hong Kong. (laughs) And because the drug addicts were being chased by the police, they were running on our rooftop (laughs) from the police. Hell is very poor. Hell is full of demons of poverty, but not heaven. Come on, lift up your hands and say with me, I refuse to have poverty in my life. Say with me, poverty cannot run my life. Cannot run my children's life. Amen. Very important. How many of you have read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2? Let's get into Genesis chapter 1. The minute you start reading Genesis chapter 1, what do you see? Material resources. Material resources. What do we find in Genesis chapter 1? Light. What we call today solar energy. What do we find in Genesis chapter 1? Water. Again, another energy. So you find air, the sound waves, water, land, seeds, vegetation, animals, human resources. And if you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 to 12, Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 to 12, rivers, gold, minerals, precious stones, specifically mentioned in those verses. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed Adam and Eve. God blessed them and God said to them, what did God say to them? Be fruitful and multiply. That's the definition of prosperity. That whatever you do is fruitful and whatever you do multiplies. That's the definition of prosperity. I'm not into retiring early. Because when you retire, you don't use your brain. And when you don't use your brain, your brain becomes lazy. And whatever is not used, it will go. It will deteriorate. And you have spent so much time acquiring knowledge. You have spent so much time acquiring experience. So why do you want to retire early? 
You can work and enjoy life at the same time. That's God's principle. Can we say amen? Amen. So it is a commandment from God. Be fruitful and multiply. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 3. This is a very powerful scripture. Genesis chapter 2 verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day after he had finished all his work. And highlight that. And sanctified it. I remember when I was in primary school even. It started when I was very little. Primary school, high school. Because I had seen my mother working so hard. She worked so many hours and made so little. Because she didn't have knowledge. Because she didn't have skills. The only thing that she could do was to work in a restaurant and washing dishes. I helped her to wash chopsticks in the restaurants. And putting them in the, you know, in the thing, the paper what do you call that? When you go to a Chinese restaurant, you see the chopsticks in the paper bag. Yeah. So she washed them and I put them in the bags for her. And at that moment, I made up my mind I would never be poor. At that moment, I made up my mind I will not be poor. And from that moment on, I made up my mind and I said into my heart, I will Work hard, I will study hard so that I will earn more per hour. And I will pay somebody else to do my housework. If you can earn more, you can pay somebody else to do your washing for you, to mop the floor for you, to wash your dishes. And God bless me. I'm not poor anymore. I'm not living in the slums. I'm not washing dishes. Because understand that poverty is also a generational curse. Read it in the book of Deuteronomy. It's listed not under blessings. It's listed under the curse. So that's why it's so important that we break it. And it's so important for us to teach our children, train our young people, that they learn what money is about. And they learn how to manage and learn how to use their money. Can we say amen? Now you see that work sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So what did God do? God had established a system. God had established a system. And a system will start working on its own. You don't need to do it every day. God does not have to work every day. He established a system. It's just like the way that God had created our body. We don't have to wake up every morning and say, lungs start breathing, brain start working, eyes start seeing, nose start breathing. Do we have to do that? No. Why? Because the system is in place. That's the true meaning of prosperity. What's the difference between giving somebody cash and teaching somebody to make money? If you give somebody cash, he or she can use it and it's gone. But if you teach somebody how to make money, how to use money, how to manage money, how to, inf- how to invest, that person will 
continue to have money because you have taught him the principles. You have taught him the system. Can we say amen? And that's why God had put financial prosperity in the system. Come on, say with me, system. What is a system? A system is something that will work for you as soon as you activate it. Come on, say with me, activate it. And that's why we cannot afford to think poor. We cannot afford to think that we don't need money. We are so spiritual that we don't need money. No, that's a lie from the devil. Can we say amen? Amen. How many of you have watched TV and seen those preachers, you know, coming and say, tithe, offer, give me your offerings, give me your tithe, or I'm going to get out of ministry. No, that's not the way to work. You don't beg anybody to give you money. Did Jesus ever beg anyone to give him money? No. Did Abraham ever beg anyone to give him money? No. In fact, Abraham said, no, 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 no. You don't have to give to me. I won't take anything from you. Why? Let no man say that he has made Abraham rich, but God alone. Even Jacob, when Laban offered him money, he said, no, you don't have to give me anything. Just do what I say. And God blessed him. So lift up your hands with me and say, God is my source. God is my only source. What does that mean? That means consecration. Consecration, devotion. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, some people take it the wrong way. So that means whoever gives me money, I'll say, no, God is my source. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) No. If somebody blesses you, whoever is blessing you, say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And those who bless you, they will be blessed. Remember, what did God say to Abraham? I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. So whoever blesses you, they are being blessed. Amen. So when somebody comes to you with a blessing, don't say, no, 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 no. God is my only source. No, that's not what I mean. Okay. Receive it and take the, take the blessing and give the blessing. Can we say amen? Say it with me. Take the blessing and give the blessing. Amen. So the difference between earning a wage, getting pay and being blessed. It's important that you get a wage. It's important that you get paid, but that's not the end of the story. You must get blessed. Can we say amen? What is being blessed is having the power to get wealth. Is that in our Bible? Is it in our Bible? Is it in our Bible? Having the power to get wealth. So wealth has to be gotten. It does not drop down from heaven. So that means we need to improve ourselves, our brain power, our analytical power, our value, our skills, our character, our integrity, so that our boss or whoever is above you can trust you and you are reliable, you are trustworthy, and you are creative, you are innovative, you are motivated, 
Amen. So those are the skills that will empower you to get wealth. And then on top of those skills, the anointing comes upon you. The favor of God comes upon you. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Can I give you that scripture? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18. And don't say to the Lord, I think I'm already too old to make money. Nobody is ever too old to make money, especially in our generation. Nobody. Nobody. Well, you ask me, Pastor Dora, why do I want to make money? Well, if you don't need it, bless, bless somebody with it. Can we say amen? Can we say amen? <laughs> if you don't need it, bless somebody with it. How many of you have had the joy of giving and blessing somebody? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. And guess what? There are nations that need your giving. We were able to give to the church in Burma by your giving. If, you, if you're in a survival mode and you hardly have enough to eat, how do you give? Right? Amen? You don't sound very convinced. Are you convinced? Amen. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth. So if God gives us the power... The abilities, the intelligence, the character, the well-being, the health to get the wealth. So is it his will for us to get wealth? Is it his will for us to be wealthy? Absolutely. Can you imagine heaven poor? Can you imagine heaven poor? Can you imagine Jesus, you know, like a hippie? You know, all his clothes are, you know, ragged and his body smells and... And he's so poor, you know, begging from house to house. No. How many of you know that Jesus was given wealth even before he started his ministry? Who gave, who gave him wealth? The wise men. They are called the wise men because they have the wisdom to give Jesus the wealth. And you think they were blessed? Absolutely. Very blessed. Amen. That he may establish his covenant. So wealth is part of establishing God's covenant with you. Wealth is to manifest God's goodness in your life. When we talk about a love language, you know, somebody's love language is just, I hug you, I hug you, I love you, I bless you, I hug you, I bless you. But God's love language is giving, material blessing, financial blessing, health and wealth and wisdom. Come on, lift up your hands with me. Health, wealth, wisdom. Amen. That's God's language. When you think about being healthy, think about being wealthy. Can we say amen? Poverty and sin are together. Poverty comes from the curses of sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 to 19. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. 
Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. That's poverty. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. In the sweat of your face. In the sweat of your face. Come on, uh, the, next, the next one, please. In the sweat of your face, verse 19. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. Is that a good life? Is that a good life? No. Come on, say with me, no. Say with me, God had redeemed me from the curse of poverty into the blessing of prosperity. Do you mean it? Then confess it like you believe it. God had delivered me from the curse of poverty into the blessing of prosperity. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So don't give God when it comes to your time to tithe. Don't give God your loose change. Let me see how many coins I have in my pocket. (laughs) Prepare your giving. What is Cain? What's the difference between Cain and Abel? Abel prepared for his giving. He gave his best. He gave the fattest of his lambs. Cain? just anything at random gave to God and he got angry and upset because God did not bless him. Giving had to be planned. Giving has to be planned. Don't do it because it's a religious obligation. And if somebody finds out that you're not tithing, you get very angry and you lash out. No, that's not the right heart. Giving is to be planned. Giving should be highly regarded. Can we say amen? We can see very clearly that both Cain and Abel had been told to tithe. Both of them. They knew. But they had not been told to give the best. And Abel gave his best and Cain did not. And that's why his offering was not accepted. So when it comes to tithing, it's to give the first and the best. Say with me, the first and the best. One more time, the first and the best. Listen to to this. Thank you for the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Whatever we cannot give to God will give, whatever we cannot give to God will end up Owning us. Whatever we cannot give will end up owning us. What we cannot give to our master will become our master. Do you get it? This is a spiritual law. Whatever we cannot give to our master will become our master and it will lord over us. The choice is between freedom and slavery. That's the choice between freedom and slavery. If you look at Genesis chapter 4 verse 12, Genesis chapter 4 verse 12, this is God speaking. 
When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. How many of us want our business to be productive? How many of you want your investment to be productive? How many of you want the works of your hands to be productive? Don't sin. Sin will reduce the productivity. Sin reduce the productivity of the land. Sin will reduce the productivity of your business. Sin will reduce the productivity of your investment. And that's why the word of God says, do not sin. It is a spiritual law. And what did they do? They worked harder, you know, trying to compensate with toiling. Poverty is a generational curse like sickness is. The good news is that the curse can be broken by the blood of Jesus. Can we say amen? I want to finish with just giving you a few examples. How many of you know that Abraham was very, very rich? He was very rich even in the time of famine. When famine was grievous in the land, he was told, he he said that I'm going to Egypt. And he took a lot of stuff with him, making his journey to Egypt. So he had sheep, he had oxen, he had asses, men servants, maid servants, she asses and camels. Genesis chapter 12 verse 16. And Genesis chapter 13 verse 2, Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. Genesis 14 14, his trained servants born in his own house 318. That's how rich he was. And when he went down to Egypt, what happened? God blessed him. He went down to Egypt in a time of famine and he became richer than before. What about Isaac? Isaac inherited the wealth from Abraham. And, but still in a time of famine, he was wanting to leave. But God appeared to him and told him not to leave. Stay where you are in spite of the famine. I will bless you. It was a difficult, it was a difficult decision. It's like everywhere around him, there's famine. The land was very hard. It's not producing. Everybody around him is starving, suffering, hardly enough to eat. A lot of people around him sick. But God had spoken. God had spoken. So he listened to the Lord and he obeyed. And what happened? God prompted him and he sold in the land. In the time of famine, he sold in the land. And how much did he get in return? A hundredfold harvest. The word of God says that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's God's love language. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And that's what happened to Isaac. And finally, Jacob. Jacob, when he first left his family because he had cheated on, what's the name of his brother? Esau. So he was in a hurry to go. So he had nothing. He got nothing from his family. And he was a fugitive running away from Esau. So when he, the, the beginning of his journey, he, had, he didn't have much, right? And then he ended up in Laban's house. 
being somebody who was foolishly in love. <laughs> he worked years and they gave him Leah, not, what, not whom he worked for. And then he worked for another period of time and then he had Rachel. And then Laban deceived him, cheated on him, exploiting him. Why was Laban doing that? Because Laban could see that prosperity comes by association. Laban got blessed because of Jacob. It's just like Abimelech. He knew that prosperity came by association. So he said to Isaac, can I make a covenant with you? Because I can see that God had greatly blessed you. So Laban was using Jacob, exploiting him. And guess what? God could still bless him. So don't worry about people exploiting you. Don't worry about people, you know, gossiping behind your back. Don't worry about people, you know, stealing from you. Because nobody can curse whom God had blessed. Amen. God's prosperity for you, nobody can steal from you. Can we say amen? Amen. I want to show you this just from the Bible. Genesis 32 verse 10. Jacob said, when I left home and crossed the river Jordan, I own nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Genesis 30 verse 43. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants, men servants, camels and asses. Genesis 32, 13 to 15. When Jacob was selecting gifts to give to Esau so that Esau won't kill him and kill his whole tribe. He gave 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their youngs, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. Would you say that that's a lot of money? <laughs> and remember when he sent his sons to see Joseph. He didn't know that it was Joseph. He sent them to Egypt, right? And he was afraid that this guy, he didn't know that was his son, would kill them, right? And so he said, make sure, pack your bags with the best products of this land. That's Genesis 43, verse 11 to 12. Take them down to the man as gifts, balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, pistachio, nuts, and almonds. In those days, they must be very expensive. And take double the money that was put back in your sacks. So that must be a time of inflation. So he's saying that, come on, give him the best so that, you know, that guy won't harm you. So in the time of famine, we're talking about in the time of famine, Jacob still had a lot to give away. And I, I've said all this, I've said all of the above. To come to this point. God revealed himself to us as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God revealed himself to his covenanted people. His covenanted people as the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. He is saying, look at what I have done for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob. And I will be the same to you. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's never the will of God for you to be poor. It's never the will of God for you to be without money. It's never. God wants you to more than just survive. God wants you to have abundance. So much so that you can bless a lot of people, that you can bless nations. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask the worship team to come on stage? Can I ask you to stand up with me? Thank you, Jesus. How many of you have got the message today?